Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Allahümme iftah aleyna bi hikmetek ve anşur aleyna bi rahmetek ya zil celali vel ikram. Ya alimu allimna min ilmike ma tarda bihi anna. Ve la tuakhidna bima ta'lamuhu minna ya halimu khalliqna bi khuluqin hilm ve haqiqna bi haqaiqin ilm. سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم مع كتاب الحكم لسيدنا الشيخ ابن طالع سكندر رحمه الله تعالى ونفر الله وياه بعلمه في دارين آمين in the work of the Hikam of Ibn Atta'ala. Uh, we are on number 73. Number 73. <coughs> just pull this stuff up quickly. Uh, okay. Bismillah. Qala al-musannifu rahimahullah ta'ana wa nafaradahu yahu bi yalumi fi darin. Ameen. Iza aradda an ta'arifa qadraka indahu fanzur fi maza yuqimuk. Shabbi yuqimuk. Ana fikra. Iza aradda an ta'arifa qadraka indahu fanzur fi maza yuqimuk. If you want to know your standing with him, look at the state he has put you in now. Look at the state he has put you in now. Or uh, look at kind of like where you're at with him. Uh, and he says in the commentary, Rahimahullah, هذه الحكمة تشير إلى قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم من أراد أن يعلم منزلته عند الله فلينظر كيف منزلة الله تعالى من قلبه So he says that if you that he quotes a hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم narrated by Al-Hakim that says if you want to know your position with Allah then look at the position of Allah in your heart. The one who wants to know their position with Allah, then let them look at their the position of Allah in their heart. So see, like, what's going on with you in your relationship with God? Are you remembering God? Are you thinking about God? And if you are, and, you know, it's very likely that that is the case, if you're here right now, then that is very likely the case, that you are someone who's trying to remember Allah, trying to spend time with Allah, trying to rectify your relationship with Allah, then know that that means that there is some level of proximity between you and your Lord. And know that that is a great gift. Um, know that that is a great gift. The next one ties into it, 74. فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ قَدْ أَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكَ نِعْمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِنًا When he gives you obedience, making you unaware of it because of him, then know that he has showered you liberally with his graces both inwardly and outwardly. Hmm. When he gives you the blessing of Obedience. And this is a type of rizq. Metarazakaka. When he gives you the rizq of obedience, he gives you the sustenance of obedience. He enables you to turn towards him. Subhana. He enables you to worship him, to seek him, to uh, call upon him. Subhanahu wa taala. Then he has given you a great sustenance, and that sustenance is the sustenance of worship. It's the sustenance that keeps the heart alive. Which is much, much more important than the sustenance that keeps the body alive. So he says he's given you this sustenance of obedience. And along with that, he has sufficed you from it by him. Meaning <coughs> that some people, they might do good things. 
But they're so concerned about those good things that they're doing that they become almost like the, the, the servant or the slave or the worshiper of those good things. Uh, so maybe they're like always feeding, the, or giving food to those who are hungry. Maybe they're always in the aid of those who are in need. Maybe they're always supporting whatever it might be. They're, they're helping people all the time. But they're so enwrapped with their helping other people that they actually became the servants of helping those 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 other people that they're um, that they're that's that's their focus. So what is he talking about here? He's not talking about that. He's talking about when Allah gives you the ability to do, or me the ability to do acts of obedience, and along with those acts of obedience, He fills our concern with Him rather than those. So now we, we do those acts and we're not tied to those acts. We do those acts and we're tied to our Lord. فَعْلَمْ If that is the case, if you are able to do acts of obedience and to not live in a state of witnessing your acts of obedience constantly, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ قَدْ أَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكَ نِعْمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِنًا And this is uh, like اقتباس. It's a reference to a verse that uses the same wording. No, in that case, if, if, that, if, if he's given you that, the ability to do good and to not see that good, because you're not focused on that good, you're focused on Allah. You know, the hadith about the person who, the one who on the day of judgment, they will be in the shade of Allah on the day when there is no shade but his. And they will be the person who gives so liberally with their right hand that their left hand doesn't know what they give. So they give so liberally with their right hand that the left hand doesn't know. And that person then is in the shade of Allah on a day when there's no shade but him. What is that person doing? That person is doing an act of worship without paying attention to it because they're paying attention to Allah. So if you have that, <coughs> then know that he is he's just showering you with his blessings. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is pouring so many blessings over you, outwardly and inwardly. He gave you the outward blessing of doing the act of deed itself, the, the, the act itself, right? He gave you the outward blessing of doing the act itself. And He gave you the inward blessing of not being concerned with that act and being concerned with Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But now you know what your station is with Him, right? So when the one before it says, Look at your, if you want to know your station with Allah, um, then look at where you're at. This is where you want to be at. And of course, subhanAllah, Allah is 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 uh, so generous that He opens doors for us and He lets us walk through them without even having to walk. All we have to do is just intend to to go in that direction. And it's like as if He already brought us through the door, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So... It's not like, oh no, you know, I'm not sure what my maqam is with Allah and so on and so on. If you're sitting here and you're thinking about that right now, just make the intention to be someone who's doing good such that you're not even paying attention to it because your only concern is Allah. And just turn to Allah and say, Ya Allah, make me from those people. Make me from the people that He's talking about, Ya Allah. Make me from the people that are mentioned, the people who came before us, the righteous inheritors. Make me from the people who follow the way of the Prophet And then you already know what's going on. That's a great, great gift. <clears throat> so then he's given you those blessings, he's bestowed them upon you. And he's not even you're not even paying attention to it. You just uh, you, you you get it inside and you get it outside. Abu Bakr al-Warraq radiyallahu an, one of the righteous people, he said, "Inni la usalli al-rakaatain wa ansarifu anhuma ka'ani ansarifu an al-sariqa istihya'in min." He says that I pray two rak'ah and I walk away from those two rak'ah with the same level of shyness that I walk that I would walk away with committing a robbery. Like I stole something, like as if I stole something. That's how that's how shy I feel about this act of worship that I'm done. I'm not looking at it like, mashallah, look at me, I did this, I did this, and 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 I did this. Mashallah. Some people, they take their resumes more seriously than their job application. 
<laughs> you know, like some people, they write the resume because they have to do the job application and so whatever. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to make things up because that would be lying and lying is a major problem. Uh, I'm not going to exaggerate to the point that something's just completely false. I'm going to say what it is and, you know, maybe flower the words a little bit. But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and like enumerate um, uh, what, what, what I've done, right? This is, I'm just going to leave it to Allah. <coughs> Liberty is from Asbagha, Asbagha Alaikum. Uh, in the comment, there's, there's a question about literally Asbagha Alaikum. I mean, it's a, it's a translation. Um, you could probably translate that in other ways. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it means to like, uh, I'll give you some examples. Um, Asbagh al-Fadis means to put a shield on for the for the cavalry cavalrymen. Or if someone does isbagh of their thobe, then they've expanded it and widened it. If they do isbagh al-wudu, which is also in a narration of the hadith of the Prophet, وسلم, which is that they they wash each and every single limb with a fullness and a completeness. They've done isbagh al-wudu. So liberally in that sense Like it's it's um, He's showered these blessings upon you He's showered these blessings upon you Is the idea there Okay um, So uh, So he's given you these blessings And he's bestowed them upon you And what a, what a blessing they are right And he's uh, This leads us then to number 75 Which is a fantastic one very very good one If you notice a lot of the things that Ibn Atta talks about Rahimahullah uh, Although sometimes there's like some Deep metaphysical concepts and things Oftentimes when he really gets down to it He's telling you to What your focus should be on Is what's right in front of you What your focus should be on Is what's right in front of you And this is what the spiritual masters always said Which is that uh, A Sufi Ibn Waqtihi that the person who's trying to attain some sort of closeness with Allah They are the child of the moment They are the child of the moment It's hard to translate But it's basically trying to say That their concern is always What is my obligation in this particular moment? What is the obligation that I have in front of me in this particular moment? So uh, maybe it's praying dhuhr on time Maybe it's watching my kids. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's filling out applications. Maybe it's calling a parent. Maybe it's helping. Whatever it might be. It, every single moment has an obligation. And my focus should always... I always try to make my focus on the obligation of the moment. Which is interesting, right? They talk about presence and being in the moment. Right? You should be, in the mo be present in the moment. Don't be thinking about the past. Don't be thinking about the future. All this stuff was elaborated upon by our uh, predecessors and the masters of our tradition so they said that this person who's trying to attain some level of closeness with Allah they're focused always on the moment and that's the description of the awliya la khawfun alayhim wa they have no fear upon them and they have no sadness and they say that the fear it relates to that which is in the future and the sadness it relates to that which is that which was in the past and so the people of Allah, they're not focused on the fears of the future, nor are they focused on the sadness of the past. They're specifically in the moment. And so this is what he's getting at here in number 75. Which means the best that you can seek from him is that which he seeks from you. The best that you can seek from him is that which he seeks from you. So don't, like, you know, just be with Allah. What does Allah want from me right now? Okay, that's what I want. That's it. Not all, all these other things and this and that and whatever. It's hard, man. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. 
I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm not, like I've said before, I'm not making any claim to mastery over these concepts. I'm simply sharing uh, the gems of our spiritual masters and the, the tradition. You know, I'm sitting over here being, uh, feeling like I was ragdolled around all day long by two children. <laughs> and all day long in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I want to memorize this. And I want to read that. And I need to do that. And there's the shama'il. And there's the fiqh. And there's these masa'il, mu'asira. And there's the Quran. And there's this. This is my whole day. I'm in my head. I'm in all of these other places. And the children are there in front of you. Pulling you and yelling at you and screaming at you. And telling you this and that and so on and so forth. Diapers need to be changed. خَيْرُ مَا تَطْلُبُهُ مِنْكَ مَا هُوَ طَالِبُهُ the best thing you can ask for him is what he's asking of you. Because Allah is not asking me in that moment all day long to be thinking about the fiqh book that I want to be reading and so on and so forth. He's asking me to deal with what's in front of me. And to like vacuum the carpet and wash the dishes and, you know, sanitize the knobs and the handles and <laughs> wipe down the counters and do all these other things that we have to do all the time now, right? So that, that's, the, that's the obligation of the moment. That's what's the best thing to do. Al Junaid, Al Junaid, who is uh, Imam Al Ta'ifa, they call him Imam Al Ta'ifa. Al Ta'ifa is a referral to the people of Ihsan. So we talked about before, you know, this idea that the religion of Islam. Is broken up into Islam, Iman, Ihsan, um, relating to the knowledges of of physical practices, um, you know, right and wrong in terms of physical being in the world, and we have Iman that re- relates to the mind and its development in our cognitive frames and theology and everything else, and we have Ihsan that relates to the heart, and each of those has their Imams. So you know. Um, in a sense, like the imams of Iman are Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari radiallahu an and Abu Mansur al-Maturidi radiallahu an, and maybe you could say like Imam Ahmed or something like that from Ahn al-Hadith. And the imams of Fiqh are Abu Hanifa and Malik and al-Shafi'i and Ahmed. And the imam of Ihsan is al-Junaid. You know, they, they mention Al-Junaid in particular as being like the Imam of the spiritual practices that are in line with the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam. So Abu Qasim Al-Junaid, he said, Radiallahu an min du'aihi, Allahumma ja'al ghayata qasdi ilayk ma huwa lak, wa la taj'al qasdi ilayka ma atlubuhu mink. It's very beautiful. Uh, Ta'ifa means like the group uh, Ta'ifa is like the group Or the Yeah the group is a good Good enough translation Al-Qawm um, They also refer to the people of Ihsan as Al-Qawm Or Ta'ifa The people or the group um, Referring to the people who their concern is the, the field of Ihsan so his dua is again, Allahumma ja'al ghayata qasdi ilayk ma huwa lak, wa la taj'al qasdi ilayk ma atlubuhu mink. O oh Allah, make the, um, make the utmost of my desire, you know, that which I am seeking towards you, that which is for you. And don't make that which I'm seeking towards you what I am asking of you. So, you know, in my seeking, make it for you and not for me, basically. I'm seeking and I'm turning towards you, Ya Allah. Make it for you and not for me. Um, So this is very beautiful. This is very beautiful. So the best thing to do is what He wants you to do. And... Know, all of the dreams It's not to give up dreaming and stuff But delusions are different than dreams Right If it's like a dream, a true dream That has steps that will lead to its uh, That would logic That would um, Within one's capacity to reason Result in that con- consequence 
then one can take those steps. It's fine. But delusions are something else, which is just fantasies and delusions, and maybe they don't really have any sort of grounding in reality. Number 76, he says, And huznu ala fuqdan al-ta'ati ma'adam al-nuhudi ilayha min alamat al-ightirar. And huznu ala fuqdan al-ta'ati ma'adam al-nuhudi ilayha min alamat al-ightirar. That to one of the signs of delusion is sadness over the loss of obedience coupled with an absence of resolve to bring it back to life. One of the signs of delusion is sadness over the loss of obedience, coupled with an absence of resolve to bring it back to life. So what is this saying? This says sometimes, you know, we have these feelings of sadness, that I wish I had done this, I wish I had done that, I wish I was doing this, I wish I was doing that, so on and so forth. Um, these are acts of obedience and acts of worship that we hope for and we long for and we want to be doing. And we're upset that we're not doing them, right? And so what he's saying is to have that feeling and to not let that feeling be a means by which we now stand up and take steps towards doing those things, uh, then that's just delusion. That's just delusion. And you see this a lot. And probably, I, I know I see this in myself from time to time. I've seen this in um, people that we've talked to in uh, office hours and stuff like that. You know, you sit down with someone and they have all these grievances. All these grievances. And not, and not I'm talking about like Grievances of other people did to them this or that. Talk about like, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. So then you finally you listen, you listen, you listen, you listen. You're like, okay, so, you know, so like, what are you doing? <laughs> like all these things that you, 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 you want to do, and you're lamenting that you have sadness over that you're not doing them. What are you doing? And then nothing's really happening so like okay that's interesting you know like your job in office hours is not to judge someone right and judge even your job in any sort of uh, mentorship thing is not really to judge someone but it's an interest it's an observation right like you can observe that that's interesting this person's complaining about all these things but they're not doing anything so now I realize that or maybe make it about oneself. You know, I'm complaining this, 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 this. I want to do this and I want to do that and whatever. But I'm not taking any practical steps to actually do it. So now I realize like, okay, I'm actually deluded. I'm deluding myself. I'm playing games with myself. I'm not being honest. I'm, uh, you know, and I need to fix that. I need to fix that. So I'm going to look at then. Okay, so what? how can I do a nuhud ilayha? How can I do a nuhud ilayha, which is to bring it to life, to, to, to do something about it, to stand up and do something about it. So this is um, related to that. Uh, Now, that is in contrast to the person who actually does feel a sadness over those things and does stand up and do something. So he says in the commentary, for example, وَإِنَّمَا مَقَامُهُمْ Referring to السَّالِكِينَ الْأَبْرَارِ سالكين الأبرار مقامهم إيه إنما مقامهم الحزن الصادق مع النهوض إليها والبكاء عليها فإن صاحب هذا الحزن يقطع من طريق الله تعالى في شهر ما لا يقطعه غيره في سنين 
So he says, as for the righteous people who are traveling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they do actually have a level of sadness over the things that they have missed out on, the opportunities that they had that they didn't take advantage of and so on and so forth, to do good, to commit acts of worship and obedience and so on. So they're upset about that. But they're upset about that in a way that motivates them to action. That upsetness motivates them to action. So when it motivates them to action, then they gain much good from that. So he says that this person who has true sadness that results in them going to going to actually do something about it, the person who has this sadness, they can they traverse in the path to Allah in one month, what other than them does not traverse in years. Maybe a person doesn't have like this kind of sensitivity to what they've missed out on. It might take them a long time to travel in their journey to Allah. And someone else, they're very, you know, they really feel there's a level of awareness about it. And that awareness then propels them on their journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. One of the descriptions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam that we'll come to in the Shema'il is that he was mutawasil al-ahzan wa da'im al-fikr mutawasil al-ahzan da'im al-fikr that his sadnesses were one after another and he was constant in reflection sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his sadnesses were one after another and he was constant in reflection so to like be upset about things is not the issue you know what's interesting about it is even like in the definitions of depression when when is when does something become clinical uh, clinical depression is that one of the issues that they look at is the sadness without that becomes uh, an inhibitor of action so now it gets in the way of the person engaging in their daily activities doing the things that they need to do so on and so forth so that's a sadness that gets in the way of their productivity or their uh, fulfilling of their responsibilities and this is a sadness now that we're talking about here. This is kind of like a sadness or an awareness of one's um, shortcomings and one's opportunities that were missed and so on and so forth that does not do that, but rather propels the person to action. This is a very different scenario. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he's described that his sadness were one after another, but he was regular in contemplation and reflection, that's, you know, he he... Whatever melancholy he was feeling was not stopping him from doing what needed to get done. He was continuous in doing what needed to get done. And so that's a different scenario. Okay. Seventy seven says. من عارف من إذا أشار وجد الحق أقرب إليه من إشارتي بل العارف من لا إشارة له لفنائه في وجوده وانطوائه في شهوده. The Gnostic is not one who, when making a symbolic allusion, finds God nearer to himself than his symbolic allusion. Rather, the Gnostic is the one who because of his self-extinction in his being and self-absorption in contemplating him has no symbolic illusion. Illusion with an A. Okay, so this one is... Um, this one is kind of heavy a little bit so I'm going to read the commentary يعني ليس العارف الكامل في المعرفة من إذا أشار إلى شيء من أسرار التوحيد وجد الحق تعالى وشاهده قبل تلك الإشارة لأنه حينئذا يكون باقيا مع نفسه ملاحظا أن هناك إشارة ومشيرا فهو مع الأغرار بل العارف الكامل من لا إشارة له أصلا مشهودة لفنائه عنها في وجوده تعالى 
فلا يشهر إلا إياه وقوله وانطوائه في شهوره عطف تفسير والإشارة عند الصوفية هي إفادة أسرار التوحيد بالكناية والتنويح So you know what this is getting at um, is that uh, I don't really want to spend that much on this one because some of these they get a little bit when you start getting into this realm it starts getting like kind of confusing and a little bit too um, symbolic you know to use the word that's in there but the translation of this says the the true knower the true Gnostic and knower um, is not the one who kind of like there's these grand secrets uh, of of what it means that God is one and what it means to really know God and who is God and all of these type of things they're secrets in a sense and they're secrets that are difficult to put expressions to so because of the difficulty of putting an expression to it then the per- then the the person who's experiencing it will have to use some sort of illusion because that's the closest they can do right so that's why you know they use poetry that has to do with love all the time and stuff like that relationships and you know that's like the best they can do to explain what it's like to be in, in that kind of relationship with God. So they're, they're kind of like stuck in these illusions. Um, but, you know, the he's saying like, you know, the person who does that, they're making these illusions and they're seeing God in that and so on and so forth. There's still like, there's still a place beyond that, which is the person who, they just can't really make an illusion in the first place. They're just so drowned in being with God that there's nothing else. So they, they can't really make an illusion. They can't... They just have silence. And the one who, you know, like they say, the one who tastes it knows it, and the one who doesn't taste it doesn't know it. Like you can't... There's only so much you can do, right? There's, there's limits. Um, it's like in the descriptions of paradise where the Prophet and them will tell us like that in paradise there are things that no eye has seen and no um, ear has heard okay so how do I understand what that is I don't know I can like try to come up with some sort of thing but in the end there is just that reality and that reality is that reality and everything else is just not it so the the Gnostic is the one who because of his self-extinction and his being, Allah's being and he's just completely immersed in that realm there's no illusion to give in the first place it just it is what it is and you know and that actually in some ways is kind of more representative of the Prophet because the Prophet like Imam al-Busiri said that he didn't try us with saying things to us that our mind could not comprehend. So the Prophet ﷺ and like the things that he would say, the things that he would talk about, the things that he would do are very straightforward. Statements are very straightforward. The things he would do are very straightforward, so on and so forth. That doesn't mean that his experience was very straightforward. Like his actual experience of worshiping God and knowing clearly it wasn't. Like if you can stand all night in prayer, and you can cry until your beard is soaking wet and you make sujood and the ground becomes soaking wet and you can do that every single night for your entire life I mean that's not something that's very simple and straightforward that's something that's extremely profound but the Prophet them is not all you're going to get is a narration that explains that that's what he did he's not going to try to explain that to you what that really was you know like I was standing there and then this happened and that happened and I was like you know yeah, go through, like purify yourself and do what you can and worship Allah and do what the Prophet tells you to do and what you experience, you experience. Okay. In 78 he says, and this is you know, related in a sense because 
Again, you know, he's talking about something that's so profound and deep, and at the same time, he's going in between these hikam that are telling you to, like, keep your feet on the ground. Keep your feet on the ground and do what's asked of you and do what you're supposed to do and make sure that that's what's going on, that it's not just theory. And this is actually something that in our... Um, in many pockets of the Muslim community, like the pockets that are uh, oftentimes spending their evenings on Zoom, are oftentimes pockets of people who are extremely well educated. They've been to these amazing institutions of learning and they've acquired advanced degrees and they're really accustomed to thinking a lot. And so they're thinking and they're processing and they're thinking and they're processing and they're trying to understand and they're coming up with theories and this and that. And they're doing so much of that that they just didn't do what they were supposed to do, which was to turn towards Allah and to seek Him and to rely on Him and so on and so forth. So they were busy with everything else. So they weren't able to uh, do what they, they, they needed to do, right? So... In any case, this is 78, is tied to that as well. الرَّجَاءُ مَا قَارَنَهُ عَمَلُ وَإِلَّا فَهُوَ أُمْنِيَةُ الرَّجَاءُ مَا قَارَنَهُ عَمَلُ وَإِلَّا فَهُوَ أُمْنِيَةُ That hope goes hand in hand with deeds. Otherwise, it's just wishful thinking. It's just wishful thinking. So in the Arabic language, they distinguish between الرَّجَاءُ and at-tamanni and raja wa tamanni raja is something that uh, you know yutawaqqa' husuluhu fil mustaqbal it's expected that the person will acquire it in the future it's something that's actually attainable something that's actually attainable this is usually raja raja is usually what's translated as hope so hope, usually in these books that are translated, it's referring to something that one is longing for to occur in the future, that's acquisition is attainable. Okay, this is not like a false hope. This is, this is hope, true hope. Uh, and then the other word that's used is temenni or umnia is related to that as well. Temenni or an umnia is a hope, but it's not the same. It's like a false hope. It's wishful thinking. It's shay fil mustaqbal la yutawaqa' husulu. La yutawaqa' husuluhu. It's something in the future that you don't actually hope to, to attain. It's seemingly unattainable. It's seemingly unattainable, right? So, like for me right now to just like sit here. Even if I was to get in shape, let's say even if I was to get in shape at this point in my life, for me to sit here and be like, you know what, I really, it's very important to me that I'm able to dunk before I die. You know, I just, I really need to be able to dunk a basketball. Um, that's very much likely at this point to be umnia. It's very much likely to be wishful thinking. However, if I was to say like, you know, it's really important to me to be able to run maybe like a six or a six and a half minute mile or something. It's probably going to take a lot of work and like a lot of discipline and stuff, but it's, it's likely to be possible for at least a couple more years. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the difference between a hope and uh, wishful thinking. So you're saying hope goes hand in hand with deeds otherwise it's wishful thinking so again it's the same kind of theme that's coming up which is that if you you know like you know this idea of put your money where your mouth is put your money where your mouth is which is like okay let me see let me see you back it up like back up what you're claiming you're claiming that you want to do this and you want to do this and you want to do this and so on and so forth. So let me let me see it. What what are the deeds that are going along with this claim? If there's deeds that are going along with this claim, then this is rajat. This is hope. It's a good thing. And if there's not, then it's just wishful thinking. And know that that's what it is. Until you start to put something forward, it's just wishful thinking. And if it's just wishful thinking, then it's probably not what I should be spending my time on what I should be spending my thought on, 
my emotions, my feelings, my all of these type of things, I probably shouldn't be putting it all in that basket if it's just wishful thinking. I should be really kind of like focusing on, okay, so where where can I now, what can I focus on that's going to move me out of the realm of wishful thinking into the realm of hope? Because I want, I want my action and my concern to be in the realm of hope. Uh, and that then will be a lot more productive. It's a very important hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in Kayisu Mandana Nafsahu Wa Amila Lima Badan Mot, Wal Ajizu Men Etba Nafsahu Hawaha. وَتَمَنَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْأَمَانِ Very important hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says Al-Kayyas Al-Kayyas is who? Al-Kayyas huwa al-Aqil The person of intellect The person of intellect The person whose Their mind is working properly Their person of intellect Who are they? They are the one who Dana nafsahu Dana nafsahu yani Hasaba nafsahu The The person of intellect is the one who holds himself accountable and they look honestly at themselves and they 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 do some sort of assessment of themselves right this is this is the person who's uh, and and they work for that which comes after their death so they they focus on themselves they discipline themselves they hold themselves accountable and they put forth their deeds for that which is coming after their life comes to an end. May Allah give us all good endings. That's in Kayas. That's the Hatu. They hold themselves accountable. They look towards that which is coming later. Okay. In contrast to Al-Ajiz. Al-Ajiz. Al-Ajiz is literally the one who is incapable. The one who is incapable. Um... In kind of like a different context, they, it's very oftenly said, "Al-lisanu yajiz," "Al-lisanu yajiz," which means like, "I'm not able to explain it by words." You know, when you like really love someone and you want to tell them, but if you tell them, it's not really any use because whatever you're going to tell them is just an approximation. It's not actually the reality of your love for them. So that's the ajiz. The ajiz is the one who is incapable. Who is the ajiz? They're the one atba'a nafsahu hawaha. The one who um, gives way to their desires, their base desires. They just do whatever they feel like. You know, they feel like eating a little bit more, they eat a little bit more. They feel like sleeping a little bit extra, they sleep a little bit extra. They, you know, when they shouldn't be, not like when they can. You know, this is different. But when, like, they really need to get up and work hard, they're like, nah, I don't really feel like it. I'm not going to do it, you know. And you see this all the time with kids now. They're like, so did you do your homework? No, I didn't feel like it. Um, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone really told you this, but that's not really the way life works. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really work that way. No, I didn't. I didn't really feel like it. Did you go to work today? No, I just didn't feel like it. I just, you know, felt like going late. Okay, well, you're going to feel like not going to work in a couple days if you keep going late whenever you feel like it. It doesn't really function that way, right? But the ajiz is the person who they just do whatever they feel like. They just, wherever their nafs takes, they give the desire of the nafs wherever the nafs takes it. Wherever the base self takes him, they give whatever the base self is seeking, is looking for. And they have these false wishful thinking with Allah. Wishful thinking with Allah. So what is the difference now? It's, this is the same thing that we've been talking about. What is the difference? One person, they say, for example, I want to get myself right with Allah. And the way that I want to do that is that I want to first and foremost make sure that I'm praying all five of my prayers on time. So like, so what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to sleep early. I'm going to uh, set an alarm clock that's, that's going to work for me. I'm going to schedule my day around my prayers. Or I'm going to make sure that my prayers, I know when I'm going to do them in my day. 
And when I have some flexibility in my schedule, I'm going to make sure that I pray my prayers in the beginning of the prayer time and I don't delay them. And they start to set up all of these things and then they do them. That's the person who's kayis, they're aqid, they're thinking straight. And the other person will be like, you know what, I want to get my relationship with Allah right. And I want to do that by praying my five prayers on time. And, and then they just proceed to do nothing to fix that situation. So maybe they're having a hard time praying Fajr on time. So instead of going to sleep early, they just keep staying up late. So they kind of sit there, they're like, you know, it'd probably help if I went to sleep earlier. But I just really feel like binge watching this show on Netflix right now. And like, you know, Allah will forgive me. Then they wake up in the morning, they miss their salah, and they're like, oh, you know what, Allah will forgive me. Allah is merciful. You know, Allah forgives everything. He's so merciful, Allah. And they just like, and then, the, you know, the next prayers come, and they're like, I should, you know, I should probably pray, but like, I just don't feel like getting up right now. So, you know, this kind of thing. This is always excuses, 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 excuses. No accountability. No serious preparation for action. Nothing like that. And then and then what they do with it, and then they couple that with, which is kind of disgusting, is then they couple it with this wishful thinking about Allah. Right. Then they couple it with wishful thinking about Allah. And, you know, students do this too sometimes. You know, they take a class. And they're like, I like the teacher, the teacher's a nice guy, and like, whatever. So, then they just don't do their work properly. And they're like, oh, it's okay, they're going to forgive me, they're going to give me a good grade, whatever. And then, in the end, when they fail, they're like, oh, he's the worst teacher ever. Like, or maybe you didn't do your work. Maybe you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And because you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you didn't get what you were hoping for. Because you filled, instead of putting your eggs in the basket of hope you put your eggs in the basket of wishful thinking and that that then is not okay that is not the way to go so this is number 78 and that's the hadith of the prophet related to that which is an important hadith um subhanallah قال الحسن رضي الله عنه and it's in Hassan al-Basri Hassan al-Basri is from the Tabi'een he's from the great righteous people from the Tabi'een he said the following he said إِنَّ قَوْمًا أَلْهَتْهُمْ أَمَانِيُ الْمَغْفِرَةِ حَتَّى خَرَجُوا مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَلَيْسَ لَهُمْ حَسَنًا يقول أحدهم أحسن الظن بربي وهو يكذب لو أحسن الظن بربه لا أحسن العمل وتلا قوله تعالى وذلكم ظنكم الذي ظننتم بربكم أرداكم فأصبحتم من الخاسرين. So he says that uh, this is verse فصلات verse number twenty three فصلات verse number twenty three. Fusilat is 41, I think. Um, so, 41, 23. Let me see if it's the right one. Yeah. So it says, And that was your assumption which you assumed about your Lord. It has brought you to ruin, and you have become among the losers. So that's the verse. What is the rest of the quote? The quote says, He says, There are people who were misled by their wishful thinking about forgiveness to the point that they left from this life and they had no good deeds to the point that they left from this life and they had no good deeds and one of them would say I think well of my Lord and in his saying that he is a liar if he had thought well of his Lord he would have acted well if he had thought well of his Lord he would have acted well and then he recited this verse that we mentioned. That is, um, that is, your assumption which you assumed about your Lord, or your thought which you had about your Lord, it has brought you to ruin. It didn't benefit you, and you are from the losers, because it it wasn't accompanied again with that action.
So he says, and then the poet said, يَا مَنْ يُرِيدُ مَنَازِلَ الْأَبْدَالِ مِنْ غَيْرِ قَصْدٍ مِنْهُ لِلْأَعْمَالِ لَا تَطْمَعًا فِيهَا فَلَسْتَ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا إِنَّمْ تُزَاحِمْهُمْ عَلَى الْأَحْوَالِ So he said, the poet said, O you who seeks the stations of the most righteous of the righteous, the abdal, without having any sort of intention to do the acts of worship that they do, then don't seek what they have because you're not from them unless you are willing to engage in the things that they engaged in. If you're not going to take their path, then don't hope to be from them. right? And, uh, you know, this is again, like, I think a really big thing um, in our kind of like current situation is that people want and hope for all kinds of things. But really, they're just wishful thinking because they don't want to do the work that's necessary to get there. And I think that that's part of the problem of kind of like this online um, internet marketing culture, right? You know, like if I can just get online and I can have like this little cheesy little product that I drop ship and... You know, I don't really have to do that much. I just do this thing where I drop ship it and I get enough followers on Instagram and the Instagram ads and then the Facebook ads and like everything will come together and I put the right colors and I make the website and the splash page and then I do my little Google ads and I can test to see which ad is more effective than the other one. And if I play enough little games and tricks, then I'm just going to make a bunch of money and uh, it's going to be done. Like, really? I, you know, might not be that simple. Um, things in life might actually require some level of work. Maybe sometimes Allah gives you something because He wants to give you something and just it's a gift. But that's not the normal state of affairs. And um, so one, you know, if one thinks well of Allah, then they act well. So they couple their hope with their deeds. This is the point here. Hope goes hand in hand with deeds. Otherwise, it is just wishful thinking. So let it be actual hope. Don't let it be wishful thinking. Wallahu a'lam. Some really good ones are coming up. But I think that we're running out of time. Um... Let's do the next one and then we'll stop, inshallah. From because uh, once we get to 80, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, kind of all roll together. So let's just do 79 and then inshallah we'll stop for the day. Um, he says, Matlubul Arifina min Allahi ta'ala is Sidku fil Ubudiya, wal Qiyamu bi Hukukul Rububiya. So he says, that which the Gnostics seek from God is sincerity and servanthood and performance of the rights of lordship. Uh, Sincerity and servanthood and performance of the rights of worship. So let me read the commentary. يَعْنِي أَنَّ مَطْلَبَ الْعَارِفِينَ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ عَالَمْ مِنْ مَطْلَبٍ غَيْرِهِمْ سَوَاءً كَانُوا عُبَّادٍ أَوْ زُحَادٍ فَإِنَّ مَطْلَبَ الْعَارِفِينَ إِنَّمَا هُوَ الصِّدْقِ أي الإخلاص في العبودية والقيام بحقوق الربوبية فقط من غير مراعاة حظ ولا بقاء مع النفس وأما من عداهم فلم يفارقوا الحدود والأغراض في مطالبهم وشتان بين ما من همته الحور والقصور وبين من همته رفع الستور ودوام الحضور الله. So he says, the that which the Gnostics are seeking from God is different. It's a higher level than what other people are seeking from God. Whether they are worshippers or ascetics or whatever it might be. You know, these different types of people who worship God. But the ones who are the knowers of God, al-'arifun, the Gnostics, the knowers of God, 
what they are seeking is a sidq is to be true and sincere in their servanthood of God and the fulfillment of what he has uh, asked of them without looking for anything for themselves they're not looking for anything for themselves in that whole thing and completely eliminating themselves and taking themselves out of the equation and as for other than them even when they're doing great things there's always some sort of remnant of personal interest that's involved there's some sort of per personal interest that's involved and that's then the difference and he says what is the difference and like and how great and significance then is the difference between the one whose aspirations are for palaces and the women of paradise and the one whose aspiration is for the lifting of the veils between them and their Lord and to be constantly in His presence. These are two very, very different things. Very, very different things. Because the first category, they're still looking for something. There's still something for themselves in that. And the second category, it's only about Allah. They're not looking for all these. Like, you tell them there's a garden in paradise, there's this and that. It's not... That's not the actual motivating factor. They don't negate that. It's true. The Prophet said it's there. It's true. But that's not their motivating factor. Their motivating factor is only to know Allah. And to, to fulfill the rights of servitude of Allah. And to be sincere in the rights of, uh, of submitting to Him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can take for example in this. Um, famous hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he's standing in the night until his ankles become swollen this is also part of the wisdom of why Imam Busiri mentions that in his praise of the Prophet that I betrayed the sunnah of the one who gave life to the night until his ankles complained of swelling Right? there's a reason why he's mentioning this here and it's tied to this hikmah which is that the Prophet ﷺ, when he's praying in the night until his ankles become swollen and his wife asks him why are you doing that when you don't need to do that right? you are who you are you don't have to do that and his response is not you know I really want a really big palace in paradise or I really need my sins forgiven or anything like that you know, she said, look, you're the one whose sins are forgiven. He told her, it's not about that at all. It's about, Allah akuna abidan shakura. He said, it's about, should I not be a servant who is grateful? A servant who is grateful is, um, servant who is grateful is the one who is not seeking these things. They're, what does it say here? The, the, the arif is the one who's seeking sincerity in his servanthood and performance of the rights of, of lordship. Performance of the rights of worship is to be one of those is to be grateful. So the Prophet sent them an answer. He's saying, Shouldn't I be a servant who's grateful? Say, so Shouldn't I be this? This is what I want to be. It's not about the sins being forgiven. It's not about the reward of paradise and all this. It's about Allah. Uh, so this is this is there, and this is what he's getting at. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So it also kind of shows us that like these things that he's saying, Ibn Al-Ta'ala they may not be directly quoted from a hadith, but they're there. They're they're sitting in they're sitting in the um, the things that we can take from the example of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam Allahu alam Subhanakum bihamdik Nishadu wa la ilaha illa Astaghfirullah wa tukhu ilayk There's a question, you know Who are the arifin? What are they referring to when they're saying someone is from the arifin? The arifin are the people who fulfill the description that he mentions here You know, that's the 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 They are the people who know God They are the people who know God and their desire is to be sincere with their Lord, to fulfill what their Lord wants from them, and not seeking anything in return, only because He is Allah, and they are His servants. And in doing so, they become those who really know Him, 
because they're not distracted by anything other than him subhanahu wa ta'ala and so in that station they become their knowledge of him becomes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper so they become the knowers they become the knowers but they are described in many different ways in in this uh, in this work and in others the easiest way to kind of see it is just to see like how does he refer to them as we go through the hikam how does he refer to them um, and this is for example this is one of them this is this would be part of the definition of who those people are um, and then in other hikam he'll mention other definitions of who they are as well Inshallah, everyone is doing well. Uh, Allah keep you and your loved ones safe. And Allah keep us away from all harm. And Allah give us tawfiq in all of our affairs and all of our efforts to worship Him. Allahumma ameen. It's good to see some of the faces. Mashallah. Um, and please continue to pray for one another and to pray for each other. And as always, I'll, I'll upload the audio right now to the SoundCloud for anyone who wants to follow along on there or to review or anything else. Subhanallah, we have nothing to share with you. Now, in the stakhulub and tukaynek, wal asr inna al-insana nafi khusr inna ladina aman wa amin al-salihat wa tawasub al-haqq wa tawasub al-sabr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.